Welcome to In This New Season, where we're learning this life again and again. This episode is brought to you by Libra. Libra is on a mission to make great tasting non-alcoholic beverages more available to Canadians so they can socialize without sacrifice everywhere they go. Award-winning and made by real brewers, and we truthfully really love it and actually drink it. Libra is Latin for balance, and that is what they're hoping to bring to consumers, the balance between being social and fun and getting things done. Find Libra near you at drinklibra.ca. We're so happy you're here. <laughs> we are <laughs> season so two. happy. So happy you're here. <laughs> and we have a guest. Oh my goodness. I know. Our this is our first guest. It's so very it's, exciting. It's big time exciting. Today we have Celine LeDuc, and she is a naturopathic doctor in Charlottetown. And Moncton, <laughs> technically. She owns and operates East ND, which is an integrative health center that offers naturopathic care, traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, and counseling services. I have done a lot of these things on the list. They strive to help people with an individualized approach to health with the goal of taking time to do thorough health assessments for both current state of health and disease prevention and providing individualized strategy to help you build your health and confidence in your health care decisions going forward. I would say that to me, my experience with Celine has just been, she's a very powerful young woman entrepreneur who is so knowledgeable and is so kind. And when, when I went to see her uh, the, multiple times now, the my experience has always been, there's just so much I didn't know I didn't know. And it's so useful to learn from somebody who has this whole wealth of knowledge that isn't, it's not even knowledge I'm aware of having a gap of. And it's just, it's always been so connected and meaningful and made things make so much sense that I didn't even think were at all connected. And it's just, you are such a gift. We're so lucky to have you on PEI and we're so happy you're here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, that was incredibly kind, both of you. <laughs> like the kindest words. I was so excited to be invited uh, mm-hmm. and felt so happy. genuinely honored. You two have created such a special podcast and I have been listening and the vulnerability and the moments that you share, I just find I relate so deeply with. And it's so nice that you've created this incredibly cozy, safe zone Mm -hmm. for people to feel connected. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) And I was saying earlier, your voices are just really relaxing. (laughs) So when I talk to patients about finding things that relax your nervous system, I was like, their voices are that thing for me as well as the content they're creating. So yes, I'm so excited. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you, Greg, for your audio yeah. Magicianship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm so excited for this episode. There's so much to dive into. I will say in our past, I think Celine was the first person who knew I was pregnant. <laughs> I called her very panicked. She got me in right away. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, it was an, an incredible experience. And on PEI, you don't see your regular, like your primary healthcare doctor until like 12 weeks. And I was like, that's too long. (laughs) I can't. No, I'm four weeks pregnant. I need to see somebody today. And yeah, to have your support through the entire pregnancy just meant so much. And my therapist is uh, employed by you. So like, it's just full circle. So cool. You know? Uh. (laughs) Yeah. 
All right. So we have a few things that we want to get into today, but can you just start, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you decided to pursue this dream career of yours? Yes. So a little bit about me. I grew up on the island, so I'm an islander. I went and did my undergraduate degree in Halifax and then pursued naturopathic medicine in Toronto. for an, That's a four-year program in Toronto. Um, I did live in Yellowknife for a year in between there. My sister lives there with her two angel children. Um, and so spending that year with her was really special. And I worked at a naturopathic clinic up there and had like an incredible mentor in the clinic owner um, and naturopathic doctors there. Then pursued my education in Toronto, met some really wonderful people, had a really great experience, and then came home. Uh, it's funny because I actually was one of those people that left and didn't ever think I'd find my way back here. Me too. And yeah. yeah. And I came back and I opened my business and reconnected with, I'm really close with my family. I reconnected with a lot of my high school group. And then I met this whole incredible other group of friends and adulthood here. And it's just made coming home feel really special. You do have a beautiful friend group. I'm, I am lucky enough to know some of those people in there. It's like you guys have this incredibly special bond. Yeah, I really love them all. <laughs> I really love them. They're amazing people. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of special people here. I think reconnecting with how special the island was when I came home was such a gift. And I feel really grateful to be here. Um, and you were, so, yeah. so you're like, you were like 26 when you moved back? Or I think so. I was trying to do the math when you were 2018. Yeah. I'm so bad at math. Me too, girl. <laughs> so you were gone for nine years? Or, I was gone or, for nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, came I just home. Did, did a little mental guessing there, but it's yeah. that means you started the clinic at that age. That's a big undertaking. It's yeah, it's so great. It took me a really long time to let myself be proud of that, wow. and I think it still takes me time to be like, "You've done a lot," because it's really easy to be like, "All the things I'm not doing." Um, but yeah, so I started the clinic, but I actually was working in Moncton two days a week. So I was driving to Moncton, working two days mm. in. Um, there's an East Endie there. So um, my friend and I, we co-founded the brand. So she owns the Moncton Clinic and she's recently expanded. She's got a second location and a, a location in Fredericton. And that's amazing. And I worked in her clinic while I opened East Endie PEI. And then eventually as our clinic grew and I became busier here, I had to leave the Moncton practice because I needed to be available for my PEI patients, which was a really beautiful way to do it because I always felt um busy I guess mm -hmm. it can like be there was really some security yeah. in that yeah yeah absolutely it can be really hard like how did you busy. have the courage to do this like how did you just think I'll start this is fine I can just start with this like that it's just you would have had to have a lot to be somebody willing to make a leap like that and to be visible like that and to go for it in such a way is so so amazing but how did, how did you do that? I think it was like the only way. You know, I left naturopathic college and they're like, you're a naturopathic doctor now, mm -hmm. but you got to run a business and like open your doors and be a clinician. And yeah, I just, I think it was helpful to have Jody, my, my business partner, model like this incredible leap, which was like opening your space and really trusting that like, 
what you believed in and what you stood for as an naturopathic doctor was the space you wanted to create. And so you start as the practitioner you are and you just build that space based on like what you want people to feel, who you want to be a part of that process. So for myself and Jody, it was always acupuncturists and therapists because I think counseling and Kaylee, we've talked about that. I think counseling has a huge role in preventative health and wellness, but also just like wellness on a baseline because it can help you access and open up the ability to change your mind and your behavior and your outlook mm-hmm. on your day to day, which we're going to talk about that, this and like my understandings and feelings about health. But like my whole thing is we have to start becoming present in our health journey in our day to day. And that's going to look different every day, even though you have health goals that may extend all the way to like preventing disease, preventing stroke and heart attack, like <laughs> 40, 50 years down the road. It has to start with like, what am I doing today to feel better? And trust that like a lot of those things are the things that are going to help you prevent disease in the future as well. How, how did you come to ask questions like that? Like to think about the, where, would, mm-hmm. where did that come from to be curious about thinking of health in a way that's less um, conventional maybe? Or like that's new, that, that's, I'm not sure what the right word is, but it's like, I feel like you're asking really cool questions and think and like reimagining it and, or maybe it's, Maybe it's always been thought of that way, but it's just what parts of the world are talking about it that way. Like, how did you come to think of that (laughs) and think that that makes sense? Um, It's a really great question. And I want to like put a pin in one of the things you just said, which was like some other cultural and places are, are talking about health in this context. I would love to touch on that. So remind me, okay. I got distracted. <laughs> um, but essentially it kind of is, you, you had already asked me kind of how did I get into naturopathic medicine? And I think I can kind of tell my story in the way that it came to make sense for me because health, I feel like inherently have always thought about this. I ask a lot of questions. I'm very curious, like how do things work? Why do they work that way? Or like, why am I doing this thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I was in high school, I had like a personal health experience I was going through and my mom took me to my doctor and we were like given the standard of care. And I want to make this clear. I was given the standard of care for our public system for like what was happening with me. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with my doctor. My doctor is a wonderful person and mm-hmm. they just gave me what was available based on the, my clinical presentation. And I left the office like entirely defeated and was like, I don't want to do that thing that doesn't feel right. Like there has to be something else, right? Mm-hmm. And I... Like, as fate would have it, uh, I think a few weeks later, my biology teacher had Callie Simmons come in and talk to the class about naturopathic medicine. It was like careers you could do in science with That's science That's so degree. cool. Like, how that al- cool. aligned. Yeah. Shout out to Miss Costello. That was, yeah, life-changing <laughs> moment. Thank you. Um, and Callie came in. She talked about naturopathic medicine. And my mind was like, I was like, yes. Like, yes, this is it. And then they just happened to have a position open at the root cellar that summer. So I worked at the root cellar that summer. And then funny enough, I went to Dalhousie and I was like, I'm going to be a medical doctor because I want to be a doctor still. And my Mm -hmm. whole narrative, my whole life had been, I want to be a doctor. And I went through the process. I went to neuroscience. I loved neuroscience. I loved uh, mental health. I volunteered in our healthcare system. I volunteered at the rehab center and the same thing kept presenting itself, which was like, this is the standard of care. This are the, these are the options available. And I still had questions. I was like, this can't be it. Sitting in my neuroscience classes, learning about one single receptor that we're manipulating to treat different conditions. And it's like, this isn't it. 
like we weren't talking about exercise. We would talk about meditation in some capacities, but we weren't talking about all of the other elements of the environment of your body, except like these enzyme pathways and these receptors. And it felt so microscopic. And I was like, but we are such a large entity. Um, yeah. And I, I was an athlete. So I was like curious in nutrition and, and I was already exercising. So I like knew all these things that I was manipulating my environment to make sure I felt well. And then like learning about these microscopic ways of looking at health, I was like, there's just gotta be something more. So I was studying for my MCAT and I had a big, hard moment, like tears. I don't want to do this. So much resistance. And I wanted to quit. And I was like, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to write my MCAT. And I had all this shame about, I've told everyone my whole life, I'm going to be a doctor. And like, what does it say about me if I can't even write the MCAT? Mm. And I had that moment of being like, I don't know that I want to do that system. Like, I don't know that I want to care for people, but not in the system that has been presented to me in both my personal experience and like learning about it through school. So I called my friend Jody, who was in naturopathic medicine at the time. And I was like, how do you like this program? Like, I don't think I want to go to med school. And she was like, I love this program. I am exactly where I need to be. Like, Aww. you should apply. And I did. That's amazing. Oh. And you really listen to yourself there. Like your body yeah. gave you yeah. such a strong signal too. Mm-hmm. It's like that would have taken… There was so much of you that's required so much courage and so much willing to listen to just an, a feeling. And and that's so powerful and such a rare thing to be able to tune into that and to say… Like even when you were describing being at the doctor as a high school student and then presenting an option, I think it's so rare to be someone who would say that there must be another option. Like, honestly, I think my brain would be like, that must be the option. Thank you. Uh, Like, I just, I think that's so special. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's interesting because I had never thought about it that way until I like reflected back on it that I was like, this was kind of always in me to question. And I want to make it clear that I always find a really hard time finding my voice in these situations because I want people to know that I'm really grateful for our public system. Our system does a good job at taking care of us when we're sick for anyone who's had a sick loved one and had like really good experience with our healthcare system. Like we keep people alive. We are so privileged to have access to that. Um, there are just elements of it. And I, and I don't think it's really a secret anymore that there are elements that need change and it is systemic change. So I just mm-hmm. want to reiterate that. Mm-hmm. I think you've said that yeah, beautifully. Yeah. It, I don't it think is, anyone's thinking that you're bashing the, yeah. the system. Yeah. And when I say standard of care, I mean, like the standard of care for naturopathic medicine is individualized care. Mm-hmm. And it is like, what are the lifestyle and diet things? And like, what are all of the other things in your environment? It's not so much, you have this thing and we need to treat it right now. And like, this is the best we have available. And this is the safest option going forward kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 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 But yeah. And I think doctors in a more traditional, in the in the public health system, they're a lot more willing now to refer you to a naturopathic doctor because they know they don't, they might not necessarily have the knowledge on that subject in depth to create a plan that's individual enough for you. I know I I had more than one doctor mention um, with like endometriosis, like they didn't really learn anything about that, to be honest. And that's what they said. Um, And it was probably my best interest to, to go for outside care. And so I think it's, yeah, totally a place. There's a place for both sides, but it's really lovely to have that individualized support. 
that unfortunately you you can't get right now in our healthcare system because it's just overloaded. It's just totally overloaded. So to know that you can find that support. And I think now, like I've I've seen that veterans are now able to get coverage for naturopathic medicine. Like things are really opening up for more people to have access to it, which is beautiful. Trying to think of a metaphor. I don't, okay. Are we talking? (laughs) This might be wrong, (laughs) but I'm picturing an ice cream store. (laughs) That's where I'm at. And that it's like, when you go for ice cream, it's nice to have options. Like you kind of, you might just want a soft serve cone and you might want a, a banana split and you might want fancy toppings. And like people need, there needs to be lots out there for a, a really, like an ice cream store with options is a good thing. Yeah. You don't want to go in and only have the option of vanilla. <laughs> like, is it, is, that, is it just that we're talking that it's nice that the world has many modalities that can support people in a lot of different ways based on what they need at different times and like more is better? Is that what we mean? <laughs> that is a beautiful note. Sometimes you might need the banana split. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you just want the dip cone. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I don't know who's who in that situation, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. me neither. Yeah. <laughs> but it feels like it's like it's yeah. all part of the ice cream store. Like we're all mm-hmm. trying to help people and just coming at it in different ways and what's needed at different times mm-hmm. in different situations. Absolutely. Have you found any resistance? Because you said that you said to everyone your whole life that you wanted to be a doctor. Did you find that anyone pushed back against your decision to be a naturopathic doctor? Or was it just love and support with the beautiful humans in your life? Oh, I think it's always been love and support. I think a lot of funny um, passive moments that mm. come from people maybe not understanding fully what the profession is. And yeah. I always had a really hard time articulating it too because we learn so much at school. I was like, I know how to do homeopathy and I know how to do acupuncture and <laughs> I know how to do a lot. And then someone's (laughs) like, but what do you do? And it's like, right, uh, what do I do? Um, And it it took me a really long time, I think, to dial that in to be like, actually, you know, like what we do, we are trained clinicians. So we learn um, about the standard of care for our conventional system. I'm not allowed to prescribe medications. So what we have found are like different types of prescriptions, which would be in the form of lifestyle medicine and preventative health medicine and, and all of the things you can do to control your kind of like the environment of your body, I would say, um, to, yeah, just improve your health. But yes, I'm not using prescription medication, but I am assessing and diagnosing in a very clinical way, Mm -hmm. using assessments that you would also see in a doctor's office and looking at blood work and interpreting it in a way that you would in a doctor's office, just not using the pharmaceutical option. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. So also encouraging compliment like complimentary, complimentary care. Yes. care that's I, that word I was that, trying to think yeah. of and <laughs> I do say I like to maybe I like to use the word now I think when I first started I didn't realize this I like to say we're complementary healthcare practice practitioners, not alternative healthcare practitioners, because it is a complement to what you are going to need and do within all systems of your health. Uh, and it is just a compliment. It's not that it needs to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that yeah. word. <laughs> I, so we let our Instagram people know that we were going to be speaking with the naturopathic doctor. And I think the timing of this is so beautiful because Fresh new year, people get pretty dialed in on some health goals, health and wellness. It They start to reflect about what maybe they want to change or 
or feel pressure to change some certain things. So I, we, we're just wanting to know, like, what's the number one thing you want people to keep in mind while they're thinking about their health during this season where there can be sometimes a lot of outside pressure? Yes. And are we thinking like New Year's resolution yes. type transition season? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I have been thinking about this one. And I think I'm going to ask you both a question Uh as well. (laughs) Um, So when it comes to what I want you to keep in mind and and what I talk to my patients a lot about is um, health is a long game. And it really is a series of all of the small things that you're doing in your day to day. And they add up over time um, to, and, and that's kind of like the key to this preventative medicine thing. It's like, this is actually going to ebb and flow with you. Mm-hmm. So keeping in mind that you're in a new season, you could be in a new season of life, you could be in a new season of health, and please try when you're formulating your New Year's resolutions to not apply a previous system that brought you success. So when you're like, I want to get back into exercise this week, so it's going to look like X. Because the last time that I felt like really good about my exercise, it was X. Mm -hmm. But the last time you did that, you were in a very different season of your life and things were different. Something we can probably all relate to. We have lived through a really difficult two years. This is definitely taking a toll on your mental health and your physical health. And so mentally and physically where you are now is maybe different than where you were when you previously had those goals. So allow the goals to be new, allow them to be like individualized to where you are right now and allow them to evolve. If they're so set in a goal, I find that's kind of the biggest barrier for people. Yes, yes, yes. Every day is different. So having different things that you have in the back of your mind, like if I could do like these three things today and that can literally just be water, going to bed early taking a deep breath at lunchtime. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be like, Mm -hmm. I woke up at 5 a.m., I meditated, then I exercised. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. I see so much of the same. No, I think that was so perfect. I see Mm -hmm. the same same thing, have so many of those same conversations around being cautious when we are setting ourselves up to a ideal version of ourselves. Like there's some sort of idea in our mind of who we, of what the goal needs to look like to count. And I do think that people, they use their, exception as a baseline. And that's a very risky move. So it's like, but I was able to do it for a week in January where I got Mm. up at five and I did the really intense workout five days a week and I felt amazing and my day started so well. But then they beat themselves up when they can't sustain it because that was an exception. And and then they are wanting to make that be the baseline, but it, it was built we need to build our baseline from a much safer place that's not really like running on that adrenaline or the excitement of a new fresh start. And so whether it's a historic memory, which I see people do a lot too, where they remember a time. And I know I've done this before in the past where I'm like, oh, but that that should be my target, that previous moment in history. I, that's how I, I'll know I get there kind of thing. Like we we hold ourselves to old versions of ourselves and then we hold ourselves to ideal versions of ourselves, and both of them get in the way of real behavior change. Yeah. I'm guilty of all those things. <laughs> I'm like, yes, <laughs> tell me more. I understand. I'm getting it. <laughs> I do. I do those things. It, I always tell my patients it's, it's taken me so long 
to get where I am now. And like my health habits are changing daily. And I'm mm-hmm. like congratulating myself for like doing the smallest of things. And that's been a huge shift for me. But I had a vested interest in my health early. Mm-hmm. I was so lucky my parents modeled healthy habits for me. I played basketball competitively. I played all the sports competitively. I was really interested in nutrition. I studied it, spent nine years trying to like live this science. And I'm still learning how to apply it to my life. Mm-hmm. Being a business owner was a massive shift for me. I was like, I'm incredibly stressed. My job is really long days, like, and holding a lot of space for people. Like, I'm really tired at the end of the day. And I got into the habit of skipping lunch because I was running on adrenaline and that actually felt great. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm like, great focus. I actually feel good. <laughs> and then I had nothing left at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. And I like, it took me so long to put that together. It was like, just eat your lunch mm-hmm. so you can go for a walk in the evening or mm-hmm. so you can like engage in your evening life and you don't just have to like shut down for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, um, the other thing I want you to keep in mind is actually just awareness. So before making a resolution, maybe just sit down and start to actually just tie together how you feel. So it's like, what is your resolution? So say it's exercise. Why are you doing it? Get really clear on that why. Is it because you want more energy? Okay, great. Where do you feel like you have the lowest energy in the day? And oftentimes we'll see people say the afternoon or the evening. And my follow-up question is always like, what did you eat for lunch? Mm-hmm. Did you eat breakfast? Like sometimes the goal ends up being, I'm not going to miss breakfast or I'm going to have protein every day at lunch because it's going to open up your energy levels for the evening for you to feel like you have space to do that goal or that thing. But if you set a goal without realizing what it's going to take to achieve it, you kind of, you kind of like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, sell yourself short mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. the the opportunity yeah. to like follow through on it. That is so important. Oh my goodness. Like that you miss the target. Like if, if we're, if you start with the feeling of, I want to f- have more energy, then there's, then you can expand how you think of how to get there. But if you think I need to exercise without going deeper on why, then we end up doing, going through the motions and then wondering why we don't feel the way we want to feel. And that sort of science stuff you just said there about like, <laughs> like the connection between eating, breakfast, lunch, and the impact that will have on hours later how you feel in the evening. I mean... Wow. Say more. <laughs> That's so good. I How feel, do we not go to bed at 7.30? Give us the lowdown here. Well, I feel like this, I'm just going to speak to like the common experience I see in my office all the time. And it really is this pattern of skipping breakfast, getting used to skipping breakfast. And that's fair. The season of life might be, it's like impossible to get everyone in your house ready for their days and yourself out the door. And all you have time for is a piece of toast. And so that just becomes the habit. And then maybe you didn't have time to create a lunch. Or I think the question I wanted to ask you to, like at the beginning of this question too, is like, actually, when did we get taught about how to structure like a really macro and micronutrient dense breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Never, never. Mm -mm. And sometimes I find myself doing that thing where I'm like, well, and then, you know, you have to have 20 grams protein at, at lunch. And it's like, right. Um, how do you get 20 grams of protein? <laughs> yeah. And like, how what does that look like? How much is 20? Yeah. What is exactly, what would 20 grams? Yeah. 
Like I, I've never skipped breakfast in my entire life. I think I'm, I'm <laughs> confident I would faint. <laughs> I, 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 it was tested a few times in my childhood. With <laughs> you do love breakfast. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, that's not a thing. But I don't know about my protein. I mean, I'm pretty confident there aren't. A, there's not a ton of protein in pancakes. <laughs> you can get protein pancakes. I guess yeah. I think there's like ways to add protein. Add a scoop of protein powder in there. Mm, look at this magic. Sol- mm-hmm. Hear that, Greg? Yeah. <laughs> Stock and stuffer. Um, so I've actually created uh, a really fun, it's like strategy tool because this is a conversation I have every single day in practice. Protein uh, is a macronutrient. And my partner reminded me earlier today, he's like, and what's a macronutrient? Um, <laughs> it is one of the essential nutrients you need to generate cells for your energy. So, or, um, yeah, for energy. So everyone's really familiar with carbs. Carbs give us energy, but so does protein and so does fat. And protein is actually the backbone of a lot of our neurotransmitters. So our mood hormones, uh, and then fat is a really big, important part of how our brain communicates with our body. So mm-hmm. it's like, these are really important macronutrients, but our diet culture and society, people are afraid of carbs. People are afraid of fat. I don't want anyone to ever be afraid of protein. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's been targeted yet, but um, <laughs> it is the thing I find people are under fueling the most. Mm-hmm. And, and it is because I think traditionally, like, what would you two think of as a protein source? Traditionally. Meat. Probably traditionally meat. Eggs. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people think of like the animal-based sources Mm -hmm. of protein often. So it's like when I'm like 20 grams of protein, that's four eggs. Mm -hmm. So people are like, do I have to eat four eggs at lunch? (laughs) And it's like, no. That's a lot. That's a lot of eggs. (laughs) But my clients are like, this girl, she talks about boiled eggs a lot because they are (laughs) a great snack uh, and they're full of protein. But um, yeah, so it's about like, what does 20 grams of protein look like? So this would be a tool in practice. I would sit down, I pull up this this tool I have and I'm like, this is what it looks like. What Mm -hmm. foods do you like? From what this foods list, yeah. do you already eat? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I add those foods to an existing meal? Or how do you eat more of that food? Because mm-hmm. sometimes it's just that like the serving size recommended is only say it's only 10 grams of protein. Mm-hmm. But if you just ate a little bit more of that thing, it would be 20 grams. So mm-hmm. either eat more of something you already eat and are in the habit of eating and you like, or add something else you like that you know has a lot of protein to another mm-hmm. meal. It doesn't have to be it can yeah. be disjointed. Could you give us yes, just like an example, let's say, of someone with a vegan diet and someone with a not just a, not a vegan diet of like what maybe that could look like for them in the run of a day? Really simple. Think of like the person who's just really busy. Everyone in the world right now. <laughs> they all feel busy. Totally. Let's start with um, someone who's eating animal meat products. Uh, in the morning, I often recommend two boiled eggs because it only takes about seven and a half minutes for the mm-hmm. perfect boiled mm-hmm. egg. And I don't know how everyone else makes their coffee. I do like pour over and it takes me roughly about that same time. So the same time I put the boiling water on for the kettle, I'm putting a boiling water. Ooh, habit stacking, on. loving mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Habit stacking. <laughs> uh, and then I have my two boiled eggs for breakfast and that's like um, a staple. I know it's always going to be there, but you can get really protein rich bread. So for people who are vegan, like you can find protein rich sources of bread, like sprouted wheat will have, you know, seven grams mm-hmm. of protein per two slices. And then maybe you would add um, some nut butter with two tablespoons of hemp hearts. I think there's maybe like mm-hmm. roughly nine grams of protein in hemp hearts. So you're at that point stacking your plant-based sources of protein. Mm-hmm. Tofu scramble would be amazing, but that is like maybe a weekend breakfast. Mm-hmm. It takes a bit of time to make. Um, and then, oh wait, let me do the math there. 
So two eggs is like half of the goal. Mm -hmm. And then the bread, if it was protein bread, would get you there. Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. if it was regular non-fancy protein bread, you would put nut butter with hemp hearts. And either what are those, or would you do all of that potentially? Oh no, sorry. You can you can do um, you can do two pieces of like protein rich bread with your two boiled eggs, mm-hmm. uh, but then the non egg eating um, patient or client. Oh might, yeah, 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 yeah. They might do the nut butter and the hemp parts. I admittedly, I will say it is it's quite challenging to do this with plant protein. By times, mm-hmm. that's when someone might say, okay. I can't get 20 grams at every meal, so I'm going to get 8 or 9 grams of my snacks. Mm. Right, 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 mm-hmm. right, right. Oh, I didn't even think of snacks for some reason. Yes, yeah. thanks, Seth. Yeah, so the whole tool that I created is basically, it's one thing for me to sit and say, look, we've gone through your diet, and I show people, I'm like, this is roughly how much you're getting. And then we do the calculation, like you need roughly 1 gram per kilogram of body weight, so we're off by X. And then it's like, okay, how are we going to add that in? And like, how do you want to add it in? Mm. Are you busy? What foods do you like? Do you like meal prepping? And the whole thing is just like so much different strategy, including mm-hmm. recipes. So hopefully I can catch someone in any of the points of resistance and be like, I can help you with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was a big conversation about protein. I love it. it is, it's, <laughs> the thing, it's one of my, my main things I tell people, like if you want to start doing something now that I really think is going to help boost your energy, because I feel like that's something a lot of people are looking for, mm-hmm. just take stock. Like, do I eat a lot of protein? Mm-hmm. And like, we really need it in the mornings and at lunch to help fuel the evenings. We can't just have protein at dinner and hope that that's enough. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the pattern I see. Mm-hmm. I always have protein at supper. What's mm-hmm. lunchtime protein examples, common ones? Uh, chicken salad. Canned salmon actually is mm-hmm. my big hack of, mm. I don't actually like the word health hack, but it's like <laughs> my big moment of the fall because mm. it's really affordable and yeah. you can get quality wild salmon mm-hmm. in a can and it's it's really great for you and and it's like sustainably farmed. It's wild cotton mm-hmm. or not farmed, sorry. It's, it's sustainably grown. And it's wild, mostly the one I get, but you can get like, I think maybe farm grown ones. I'm mm-hmm. thinking of a very specific mm-hmm. company right now mm-hmm. and it's in the natural section. No, I'm um, pretty sure it's the same one I buy from my son. He's, I do yeah. like a lot of like little salmon cakes. Yeah. Fish cakes. He loves fish cakes. So is it <clears> wild caught? I don't want to like be lying on the podcast. It's either <laughs> wild caught or it's sustainably farmed. One of the two. Um, but yeah, anyways, canned salmon is a lovely. So I might make like a canned like almost like a tuna salad sandwich, mm-hmm. but with capers mm. and celery. Oh, I feel like oh, I'm yeah. Emma Darcy right now. <laughs> with capers and celery. Mm. Um, <laughs> and mayonnaise. Um, no, and salt and pepper. And it's it's really easy and it's really good. I like salmon though. So for the yeah. average person, they might not like salmon. Mm. And I try to caution people on eating too much tuna because it is a bioaccumulator of mercury. So you want to be like really careful. Um, you can eat tuna, but just not too frequently. Egg mm-hmm. salad sandwich. Um, chicken salad sandwich, same concepts, yeah. <laughs> high protein bread, um, high protein filler, uh, boiled eggs, again, always usually makes its way into the rotation, leftovers. I always tell people uh, rotisserie chickens that are available mm. at Superstore are like mm-hmm. a great convenient option. You just mm-hmm. pull it apart and make a chicken salad sandwich out of that or a chicken salad, like chicken you put on top of salad. Is um, that going to be a lot better than like sandwich meat? Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. So. <laughs> it's okay. I'm ready. <laughs> my, my whole thing is to be very cautious on um, demonizing different foods. Uh, sandwich meat is 
the accessible option for a lot of people. The thing with sandwich meat is it does contain like nitrates and a lot of sodium and sulfates and other things that we have been connected to negative health outcomes, but they do have protein. <laughs> So okay. sometimes I'm like, I would like rather... It is real. I was just double... I want to double check if it's real protein. <laughs> like, I really don't yes. even know that. Yes, it okay. is. It is. It would be real protein. It just is that matter of like processing. Okay. But oh. I think we have to be very careful with our demonizing of processing foods because it really does create... Um, yeah, because the ease... Mm-hmm. I mean, um, yeah. the old uh, Sobeys uh, sliced ham is such a go-to mm-hmm. and an easy lunch, but... You're right about this rotisserie chicken. That's not too big of a stretch for no. me. That's it. No. But you're saying that that would be that would not have some of that stuff in it, like the nitrates mm-hmm. and stuff aren't in that. Mm-hmm. You see, huge gap in my knowledge around this. I'm like, I don't know. It's in the grocery store. <laughs> and no, and that's fair. And I think I, with my patients, I'm always trying to be so mindful of like. What is accessible to you right mm-hmm. now? How much time do you have to make lunches? Like, what is your appetite like? I don't ever want a patient to feel leaving like, that's great for people who like canned salmon and capers. Mm-hmm. It's like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. A lot of people don't like eggs. Yeah. So, um, sorry to all my I patients. I don't understand those people. <laughs> oh, my God. My patients that I'm Love like, me what? some eggs. <laughs> See, like, I'm like, oh, no. I'm like, all my recipes. Oh okay. My I, like, went so far as to make an egg-free protein guide because like my recipes because oh, I was amazing. like a lot of people don't like eggs yeah um anyways wow. a lot of egg and egg and chicken talk but yeah. um <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's basically just like, like the stuff that goes into deli <laughs> okay meats. Mm. um if you have a slow cooker at home another like really easy thing I recommend buy some chicken breast put a little bit of like onion garlic some broth some water and let it just like cook on low for the four hours, like a low setting for four hours. And then you just shred that up and it lives and in your good fridge all week. Yeah. Those are easy steps. Mm-hmm. Like to, to, those are yeah. very small shifts. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like my trick with increasing your vegetable intake because, you know, the recommended daily value would be anywhere between like four and five servings of vegetables a day, maybe like one or two servings of fruits. And it's really hard to get that many vegetables when you really sit down and you're like, okay, how am I doing this? And so my thing is like, pick a, pick a greens that you like. I really love arugula. I know that like, that's not for everyone, uh, but I really like the arugula and like baby spinach mix. Mm -hmm. And it's literally like my paw in the box into a Tupperware, sometimes with a homemade dressing, literally sometimes with whatever's in my fridge, sometimes it's Italian. And I tell people, if you can get into the, like, the side salad is now just a handful of greens and whatever dressing you want, mm-hmm. you've just increased your servings of vegetables by one to two without feeling like you had to make a salad with chopped up veggies and a really yeah. fancy homemade dressing. Because mm-hmm. I think these barriers start to come in. Yeah, the friction points. Like, you mm-hmm. you told me that tip, and I thought that was game-changing because— because there was a time of my life where I could, I was all about massaging the kale and all about making the homemade dressing. No one gets and it became, which is wonderful, but it's just in this phase of life, it's like my brain got a little all or nothing about salads. And that permission to be like, just buy the spinach or whatever and get some sort of dressing and then vinaigrette, whatever, throw it on top. You're good, like, because mm-hmm. the goal is to get the greens, like, to get the vegetables into you. And that has been so much easier for us and, mm-hmm. and like, guarantees that addition. I like and to I use it as tip. a base. Like, if I'm having, like, well, we have a lot of pasta every week. But if I'm having pasta for leftovers at lunch, I always put my greens just underneath and just plop it on. 
Same with curry. Well, mix just like, match. Just chuck it on top. Yeah. Anything can be a salad if you just put a little less underneath. That too. Yeah, I really like doing that. That's, I'm going to use that. <laughs> Trademark that. Um, cauliflower rice, everyone. Mm, if you've yummy. not gone there, try it. Mm-hmm. It works in smoothies. Mashed mm-hmm. potatoes. Rice. It is very helpful and easy. We like, throw that in mac and cheese for the girls, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's Peas good. and annies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mushrooms and a boiled egg and Mr. Noodles, really. Mm-hmm. On my hard days, I'm like, I want Mr. Noodles. That sounds great. I want protein and vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> what I love about everything you're saying is you're not, you're not saying to remove. You're not talking about it from that mindset at all. It's all about adding something in. What can you add in instead of taking away? I think a lot of people look at their health like, well, I need to not do this. I need to. I can't do that anymore. I need to like go all or nothing. But you're just saying, well, just what can you add? Mm-hmm. What little something can you add to your day that might make you feel a little bit better? And I love that. I found that really helpful when I was pregnant because I was like, I, I can't do anything. I need to be like this direct and blue. And you were just like, well, <laughs> maybe if we just like, just add this thing. It might make you feel better later in the day. I'm like, okay, okay, I can do that. <laughs> that was so I, It's funny, Alyssa, the thing that stands out for me, and it's really funny, it's like the, the first trimester when everyone's really nauseous, mm-hmm. and they're in my office, and they're like, I can't take my prenatals, and I can't eat salad. <laughs> I'm like, that's okay. Yeah. Like, we're going to find a way to get the prenatal in so it doesn't make you feel worse, because mm-hmm. that's not ideal. And like, you got a whole other like you've got two other trimesters we can work on 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 nutrition. Yes. Just make it through this one. Yeah, like we, I found that helpful. Okay. I was like, I'm just eating Tim Hortons bagels with cream cheese, yeah. and that's all I can eat. Yeah. You're like, that's all right. We'll we will get there. Yes, <laughs> and there's always going to be an ideal picture in everyone's mind, mm. and I think Kaylee has a wonderful analogy for this. If you aren't allowed, and I think it's honestly people don't give themselves permission to be where they're really at, Mm. and it takes a really long time for people to feel comfortable telling me where they're really at, and I get that. I think there's maybe like a bit of um, like a misunderstanding that maybe all naturopathic doctors are the picture of health, and there's a lot of things I think people probably think I do as a naturopathic doctor that I really don't. Like, I eat Mr. Noodles, and Annie's is delicious, and I, yeah, I do stuff that is not always healthy all the time. And I think the best thing a naturopathic doctor can do for you or a health provider can do for you is give you strategy for where you are at right now. And I promise you that will be an easier route and you will get to like whatever this ideal is that you think it is. But I think in letting yourself be where you are and like working in such small steps, you almost lose sight of that thought that you thought you wanted because you just feel different. You feel better. Mm -hmm. And it feels Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. And that like success outcome that was like initially what you thought was health just changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the analogy that you're referencing is about the map. Yeah. (laughs) That I talk to people about this too, that if you tell me that you want to get to New York, but you, and you tell me that we're in Halifax, I could give you the best map in the world, but we aren't going to get there if you're actually in Charlottetown. You have to <laughs> tell me where That's we're good. starting from. And we have, and we both have to agree and I can and then from there I can make a map with you and we can definitely get there. It might take a little longer than you want it to, but it will never if we, if you tell me we're in Halifax and we aren't. No matter what I tell you, it's not it's not going to get us there. 
I love that. I've never heard you say that before, but I love that. <laughs> what else might be in there? I, there's I like so much in there. There's so much in there. I'm just constantly learning from both of you. <laughs> I want to like present all my really challenging, um, like when I'm trying to discuss different like biological functions, I want to like bring them to you. I'm like, Kaylee, I need an analogy for this. <laughs> I do love an analogy. <laughs> Mesa Nordic Spa and Resort is Prince Edward Island's first Nordic spa. It's a serene space designed for relieving stress, immersing yourself in nature, and invigorating the senses. And boy, does it do that. Personally, I haven't felt more relaxed than when I visited. The cold plunge is truly a reset for my nervous system, and I left feeling completely rejuvenated. We recently went together, and we cannot wait to go back. For booking information, go to misanordicspa.com. Do you find it... And actually, this is probably a question for both of you. You were dealing with people's feelings and like very vulnerable topics coming in all day, every day. I can barely handle processing my own emotion at any one point in time. How, how, how draining? Like, I know you both love your job. So, it's, you know, I hope listeners can understand that. But like, how hard is that on your souls? Or are you just magical beings that it somehow isn't? <laughs> Go ahead. Um, certainly not magical. <laughs> um, it is hard, but it's funny for me. It's only hard in that I, like, I notice my energy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, it, it, it does. It takes, like, quite a bit of energy and focus and concentration to be present for my patient because that that's the whole thing is like mm. it's only fair for me to be present for them in this in this interaction and so it's hard but I love it mm-hmm. um and what it's taught me again reinforces like my job again just really how important it is for me to take stock of like what my environment is mm. so I'll say this really quickly so Kaylee can answer Gabor Mate his new book he recently he talks about how, um, you know, when we look at conventional science, we we put these these biological things in these petri dishes in a in a medium, and that's their environment. And depending on what's in the medium, it will determine if they flourish or if they die. And so it's like thinking about like what is my medium, and that is like my body, and that is like the people I spend time with, and like so that's why I have to get so intentional mm-hmm. about my days and how I spend them and what I do. I'm constantly having to reflect and adapt because if I had a really busy week, I might feel more tired. So my weekend kind of has to reflect that work week. Mm-hmm. And that took me a really long time yeah. to get used to. But yes, it, it's definitely tiring, but it's also, I just, I said it in my bio, like, I just like cannot believe the things that people are holding space for and doing and living through and persevering through mm. and like so many people doing such amazing things and I get to like meet so many cool people and like have a lot of fun. Like, yeah, Yeah. I hope they're having as much fun as me. Everyone's like nice and like laughs at my jokes. They are. They totally are. I can, I can definitely Um, take that. Yeah. I just like have so much respect for the patients that, that let me into their experience and just like forever in awe of people who are like willing to. Yeah, that's step. But so. aren't you ever just like having a bad day? Just want to be like, oh, I just want to talk about myself. <laughs> oh, I like. Do you find that hard? You're you're letting people talk about themselves to you all day. I just feel like that would be so hard. 
I think I'm bad at never talking about myself. Like I think sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll be like, and my personal experience with this is, and I'll beat myself up after that. And I'm like, that's not like, this is their appointment. Like you're not meant to say that. And then sometimes Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, it's like, I'm trying to like relate the experience. But yeah, sometimes you just want to like talk to people too. You're like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And like, that's funny. And then you're like, right. And next question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I I definitely have hard days. I think it's normal to be like, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired. Um, yeah, I definitely have hard days. I think mm. I don't think it says anything like any. I used to think it meant like I like you know we always follow up with like I really love my job. But yeah, <laughs> I think it just yeah I have hard days. Yeah, it can be hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? I would echo so much of that. Um, I, I mean, so I only see three people a day for that reason, just because when you're talking about being intentional with your energy and your presence, I think that's it. Like for me to do it well, I find that that's how much time I can be really, really present and um, and kind of give people what I want to give them and also protect my energy around that. Um, because one-on-one client work is such a different use of energy than like other hours of the day I can be doing admin stuff or email stuff or working on different things. But for that kind of work, I I know mm-hmm. kind of my limit. Um, so that's one reason I think that it hasn't been too draining just because, just because I think about it in that way. I also feel like the people who I get to work with, I don't know, somehow I just magically see the, the people who magically come my way are um, just wonderful energy sources to be around. <laughs> like I'm really, I'm like, I've, uh, I, I usually am very energized by other people's energy. So even if we're talking about hard things, the fact that they let me be in that space with them is so moving. And it feels like I get to see the best part of humans every day and and not a part that everybody gets to see all the time. So it's like it dis, I'm disproportionately exposed to the truth and it's not um, as heavy. I thought I think I thought it would be a lot heavier doing therapy work. I rarely feel heavy. I can feel with people a lot, but it's 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 also they're there. So there, it's inherently hopeful because if you're in the door, if you're sitting with me, you have opened your heart to let me see it and you are trying to do something to feel differently or to move Seuss. And it's usually as people moving through something really hard that they've been through, which I find awfully inspiring. Um, so it is, it like is heart lifting um, in Truly, like on the whole, that's how I would describe it. And then I think I'm just intentional on in how much I do and and sort of the ratio of coaching versus counseling and how I spread that out so that it's it's kind of being mindful of of the type of energy I use for the different types of work. Um, but yeah, as to like, is it hard? I, I talk about myself lots in sessions. <laughs> like my approach is very personal. So so if I if I feel the need, it just comes out. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I would just wonder if I, you're, you both have to be so present all day. Do you find it hard to be present in the rest of your life then? Yeah. Yes. I can yeah. admit that. Um, yeah. yeah. I won't, uh, I won't out like my partner saying certain things to me, but there's been like certain things that he says where I'm like, oh my God, that's so true. <laughs> like I come home and I'm like, I just need to be in a dark room for like mm-hmm. 10 minutes. And mm-hmm. it's like, right. Okay. But now I also need. Mm-hmm. to give you some good time and some good space mm-hmm. and be able to hold space and listen 
to you Mm -hmm. as well. And that has been a learning thing because it's really easy to prioritize my patients and my job because it's my job and it's my career. There's like so much on the line there. Mm -hmm. And it's been such an intentional practice to be like, all right, something's got to change. What are you going to do differently this time? Mm -hmm. And so actually walking to work was like a huge thing for me. I was like, I used to walk like a kilometer to my my subway stop in Toronto and then take like a 40-minute train to school. And the decompression I had mm-hmm. on that train ride after my after my school, after my clinical sessions, it was like that was kind of missing. Mm. And I didn't realize it. It was like I needed to just leave the office and have like 15 minutes of like walking, listening to like a fun song or like anything I wanted to do. So that like that just kind of got like shaken away as I walked Mm. as opposed to like coming straight home and being like, I need to be in a dark room for 10 minutes (laughs) and process my day. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I definitely do. If I'm being honest, it it, it definitely is hard, but it's a learning. I'm just kind of like learning how to do that. Yeah. My mom worked with kids and when we were little, when she would come home, we, everyone knew. You just don't talk to her for a half hour. Like she came in the door, she needs, you can't be like, hi, how's your day? What'd you do? Who'd you talk to? Because like. That's me. <laughs> Why would you do blah, blah, blah? like? And she just would go in the other room. <laughs> just she's just quiet time. Yeah. When I taught, I felt the same. Like definitely way more um, drained by the end of a teaching day and really needing because I'm I'm naturally more introverted and it would just be such so much energy through me all day that I needed to not like to. to recover and Mm -hmm. recuperate. I have actually been thinking about the walking thing too, because we're currently in a car, like a situation of daycare pickups and drop-offs. But I really think that I used to do that. And I want to bring that back in of walking after at least home from work, if not both ways, because the, that is such critical time for releasing whatever, all the energy, all the emotions, everything that's happened and like getting into a different headspace. Cause I think when I come back, it can be a lot to jump right into mom mode, kids Mm -hmm. home from daycare, big feelings, big energy and dinner and all the things. And it's, um, that's something I've been thinking of adjusting just because of how that feels. I try really hard to be present, but it is, um, I do think I can get like the, it's a lot of work to be present. So Mm -hmm. it's like, there, I do sense when I am at a capacity and there's lots of times where I just want to go um, be alone <laughs> and just like <laughs> not not hold space, like just mm-hmm. watch um, 90 Day Fiance or something and mm-hmm. just just be in a in a different in a different um, like not putting out energy, not receiving energy. I've been learning about uh, human design, life design, or I think, yeah, human design, I think mm-hmm. it's called. And I'm a, I've am learned about this a few years ago, but it's been coming back into my life lately that I'm a projector. And um, and that type of personality or, or type is, that's typical, that we feel so much of other people's energy and that can be a gift, but it is also necessary to be able to, like to not, <laughs> to mm-hmm. not be around the energy. Mm-hmm. I think both of you probably have that inner voice, like you're constantly having a conversation. Did you know 50% of people don't do that? I can't. Like all I the times where I'm asking my husband, what are you thinking? And he says nothing. He's <laughs> a- he's actually not. He's not. He's like, well, I'm watching TV. And I'm like, yeah, but why do you think about why you're watching it? <laughs> like what story is in your brain right now? And he's like. There's basketball on. <laughs> I'm watching him play basketball. 
50% of people don't have that in your head. Wow. I can't imagine. <laughs> and isn't it like some people think in like abstract mm, concepts yes, and shapes? like colors. Yeah. No, I've got a busy Mine's voice. Just a lot of friggin' words all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a really fun, fun time. <laughs> like a little hamster. Right? It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Constant. Just constant. Um, am I allowed to ask you both yes, questions? Yes, please. Bring it on. I um, love that. It was funny. I was like reflecting on some of the things you, some of the things you two had said. We would love to like touch on these things, and it's funny. I get asked about health a lot, and it's like, so what are the the main things mm-hmm. you would do for health? And I'm so curious. I asked my partner this in like August, and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask them the question. What do you two like when you two are like health? Mm. How do you define it? Like, what's mm. informed your understanding of health? as it relates to you? Oh, Sorry. That's a question that I didn't give you any no. time to prepare I love it. I love it. I think that's a great question. Hmm. I'm like passing it up. <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm, I feel like my brain just thinks of it um, like in a lot of, like a, in a very, uh, like I'm making a round shape with my hands. <laughs> uh, like a rounded a rounded way of thinking of health, like, am I healthy in my heart? Am I healthy in my mind? Like, am I healthy um, in my energy, in my movement? Do I feel like, do I feel vitality? Like, do I feel vibrant? Do I feel, it's like, it's. I feel like that's, I'm thinking about, do I feel like my insides and my outsides are matching? Like, it's a lot to do with, um, like many, many components and like, and, and being aware of things that don't feel in alignment or, or not where there's no ease and then being like, well, that's what's going on there. So it is like, am I sniffly? Okay. Am I getting colds all of a sudden way more often? Sure. Um, or like physical symptoms and stuff of like trying to understand that, I get that would be like a piece of it for me. But I'm I when I think of health, I definitely am thinking broader. Mm-hmm. In my brain. Me too, and more of a feeling. Like mm-hmm. you said, I feel, do I feel this way? Do I feel, I yes. feel the same? Like health to me is so it's it's more of a state of what I'm feeling, I guess. But I am also I will say I was I did have parents that were like. They showed a lot of healthy habits. They also showed some not very healthy habits. But they did, like, we grew up, my mom, like, we raised our own chickens. We had a huge vegetable garden. Like, working with the earth, being outside, getting dirty, moving our body, meditating. Like, all of those things were pretty talked about very openly in my house. And so I think that that gave me a, a pretty good baseline for how I want to live. But I do think it's really easy to overthink your health. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I, and I think that's probably, you know, comes back to like perfectionist tendencies, which we've touched on before, but it's really easy to feel like you're failing at something, like one component of your health, if it's not perfect. You know, like if you 
even even now, if I have like a bad end of flare up, I'm like, oh, I'm just like, oh, I'm a total mess. And now everything's ruined. <laughs> you know, I'm, it's really easy to be like, well, I'm having one bad day, so I need to rethink everything. And like tomorrow I'm going to have 20 glasses of water and I'm going to move and I'm going to meditate and I have to do these things. And then you don't do them and then you beat yourself up about that. And it's just like a spiral. And then I'm pretty used to spiraling <laughs> in my brain. So I think health, I, I, you know, that ebbs and flows. But I think for saying, like, I've overthought it at periods of mm. life too. Like my least healthy time would have been when I <laughs> was trying to be the most healthy. Yes. Like my, my actual, like when I think of health now, the time that I would have been least healthy was when I was most obsessed with health. Mm-hmm, when I was too. most like clean eating, air quotes, um, like, <sighs> So many things were a part of that time, but it was it was a fixation on it. And like by external measures, it may have seemed like, like, yeah, it was perfectionism really, but trying to win at health mm-hmm. and trying yeah. to like do all of the things. Because also, I mean, I didn't have kids yet. I had not, I wasn't, it was when I had left my job. So I had all this time and I was like, well, I know where I'll put all that energy. Mm-hmm. I will. That's where the I'm not only going to be massaging my kale, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be not making only making that almond milk. Oh, I'm going to be pressing some tofu up real nice. I'm definitely, yeah, I'm going to be making all the cacao. Yeah. Like it was like, I yeah. made that such a intense mm-hmm. <laughs> fixation. I will not only will I uh, get all my groceries, but I will walk the hour each way and carry those bags on my back. <laughs> Yes. And then I will walk to my workout class like <laughs> yeah. six days a week of intent. Yeah. Like it was just obsessive. Yeah. yeah. Me too. Yeah. And and I find I do that with I get obsessive over a lot of things, but health is such a easy one to pick on because it is your entire life. Like whatever you're doing all parts of your day have something to do with your health because your life is your health. So it's really easy to pick apart pick it apart and say, well. This one tiny piece of my day I'm not being perfect at. So I'm just going to obsess about it until it goes horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what is the term for that? I'm trying to think. The term. Um, orthorexia. Yeah, orthorexia. Yeah. 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 Orthorexia. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, it's a question I've been pondering so much because, and I thank you both for sharing your answers. I think they're both very relatable experiences and something I reflect on a lot, which is like, Often your your health is honestly informed by your family, mm-hmm. your culture. Uh, and unfortunately, the wellness industry and marketing and diet culture are now all combined. Mm-hmm. And we've got TikTok and social media and like people are experts everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we are being bombarded with information about health. And I just want to encourage people to just have that same reflection that you two just had, mm-hmm. which is like, what? informs my health. What do I think is healthy? And I think when you work through those things, you start to see the patterns where you're like, oh, right. Okay. Um, and to remember that like societally, our understanding because of where we've grown up in in Canada is that our system is a system that's designed to treat disease mm-hmm. and health doesn't always mean the absence of disease. So like to be healthy is not just to like be in the system and to like be sick. Um, it is, it's like, I think the way you describe it, it's, it's that feeling, but I don't think, I think some people aren't there yet. Like in terms of when they think about their health, mm-hmm. they think, well, I'm not sick, mm-hmm. so I'm okay. 
and they might not feel their best, but they also might not have that connection to their body. I think it takes a lot of work to create a connection and an awareness of what your body is trying to tell you. Uh, so that's something I work a lot with my clients mm. is, and one of my, my only analogies or my only little one-liners <laughs> is your cells don't have that prefrontal cortex like your brain. And mm. so they don't actually rationalize mm. physical stressors and emotional stressors the way that your brain can. Mm. Um, and so being aware that, you know, sometimes your body is trying to tell you things and sometimes it's really hard to know what it's trying to tell you. And so if you go to the doctor and you're told everything is fine and you you just feel like you're like, I just don't know that it is. Mm. Um, find practitioners who can listen and hear the whole story. I have the gift of time. I always tell people that. An hour and 15 minutes mm-hmm. for me to ask you questions top to bottom yeah. of like what that thing is, what you're eating, how much you're sleeping, what mm-hmm. your health history is who you are, like how you feel that pain, what's been your experience. I have time to do lots of different assessments. I have time to talk about things like nutrient deficiencies and how they impact you and why, yes, it's not conventionally tested because it's not linked to a disease per se, but mm-hmm. it's a, a beginning of you know, a dysfunction. It's a physical stressor for your body and it's trying to tell you it's feeling the stressor. Iron deficiency is probably the biggest one we talk about with patients. Um, And that's kind of a a bigger line of fine, kind of like you're fine if your hemoglobin is fine, according to our conventional system, because you're not anemic. Mm -hmm. But you can have an iron deficiency before you become anemic. Anemia Mm -hmm. is like the end stage of the iron deficiency. And you can still have a lot of symptoms with an iron deficiency, even though your blood work looks fine. It's because we need to look at your ferritin stores as well. And and again, it's just the standard of care in the system. Your doctor truly is telling you, like, you just don't mm-hmm. have anemia. But then you still have all these symptoms and kind of explain that to people. But yeah. And then chronic stress is another big one. Like, mm. our bodies develop these – our bodies are quick. Like, our cells are like, I can do this really efficiently. She's always stressed. So <laughs> – Mm-hmm. I'm just going to like pump that hormone out a lot. Are you pointing at me. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm pointing at me. I'm like talking to the beetles up I'm on the wall. Kidding. But um, yeah, and, and our body can like develop that maladaptive pattern. And so the stressor can go mm-hmm. and your body can still feel that way. Mm-hmm. And so I often, I want people to start to think about their health in the way of how they're feeling and start to ask questions about why they're feeling that way. Why am I so tired when I get home that I, yeah. Like, can't get off the couch. I can't get out of my own way. Mm-hmm. And then we work backward from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I love that so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, even I think of the, what it does having emotional blockages to our health. Like, we're not, or avoiding things or repressing things or not, like, what's happening relationally? Where do we, where are we expressing ourselves? Where are we not? What What pain have we buried and carried? And is it just, it's not, it's not like irrelevant to our, to our being, like how we are in the world. And I feel like, I don't know, but I'm guessing it's in your cells too. Like it's, Mm. um, it's in the, in the body and has, and has these impacts that we may not connect that. And like that tuning in inward to be like, what feels off? Like just starting from the heart and, and the impact of that and how we feel in a daily life, like they are connected yeah, I think there's a lot of data specifically coming out in the last few years about the what what trauma does to your body and in your body and the impact it has on your health, which is just wild, you know? Like 
Yeah, Marmonte is like always ahead. Mm-hmm. So good. It's like so right good. when the wave starts happening, he's like, I already wrote a book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he wrote a book, I know. Yeah. And you took like, my last book. Just so, so good. <laughs> so good. Do you have the myth of normal? No. Like the hard, no, okay. You do, no, no, that's a lie. It's on my Audible queue. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not ready yet. It's in my Libya. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's ready to rock. Maybe mm-hmm. that'll be my, my January book. Mm-hmm. Happy Just, Days by Gabrielle Bernstein, also on trauma, is blowing my mind. I have my copy for Kaylee to okay. give tomorrow, but I yeah. could drop it off to you after. It's, oh my gosh. It's yes. a beautiful read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, sure. and, People writing, this is the beautiful thing about those books. When you find a good writer, someone like Gabrielle or Gabor Mate, uh, Glennon Doyle, Brene Brown, they just have a way of painting the picture for mm-hmm. you so you can make the connections. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes as an naturopathic doctor, my job is to just help you understand the picture, which is like your environment is so many things. It's your body. It's your mind. It's your, like your actual environment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a lot of different things in your day-to-day that you can help to support all those different little micro-environments. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we just want to touch on wellness trends really, really quickly. Um, well, the wellness industry is such an inter- – I feel like we could have like a five-hour talk on that, but just like – it's hard. You go on Instagram or TikTok and there's people taping their mouths shut and they're wearing the red light mask things and they're in their sauna blankets and they're also doing like injections to some, how, how are you supposed to filter out? Okay. Like that makes sense. Or like, yeah, that, that looks right to it also being Oh, yes, I see that company made a really big move with the influencer market and they're having all these activations and contracts and that's actually what's getting flooded into it. There's not a lot to back up a lot of the wellness trends. How do you handle wellness trends? Do you find it hard to be like, oh, I want to try that out of curiosity? Or are you like, oh, this is dangerous. Like This trend is just dangerous. That is a really good one. I can think of one company in particular that's everywhere right now. Um, yeah, the wellness trends are they're challenging. And mm-hmm. the way that I have kind of like become not not immune to them is it's never one thing because if it was one thing, we'd all be doing it. So like all these things that come out that are like, if you just do this thing, it'll like change your life. Mm-hmm. It might help. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does it fit your lifestyle? Maybe let's wait for like a bit more data. Let's just like see how the trend evolves over time. So like I use intermittent fasting and keto as my examples all the time. Intermittent fasting came out hard and fast. It was like, this is the most amazing thing. Give it a few years. And they're finally having a conversation that it's like, this isn't actually great for women. A lot Mm -hmm. of the information was done on men and women have a different hormone profile Mm -hmm. and fasting can really impact our hormones and our hormone landscape is different every day. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a really good example. Again, same with keto, you know. That was like a pretty, like needs to be a medically supervised diet that came out and became really wide, like mainstream. Mm. So with the wellness trends, yeah, I've just kind of become about a coffee enema recently. (laughs) I know my sweet little Sagittarius rising brain is like, I'll try anything. Like what? Like it seems so fun. (laughs) I mean, like. I don't know if enemas are supposed to be a fun time. I don't know exactly what an enema is, to be honest. 
<laughs> I mean, they're pretty invasive. Like, it's invasive. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. I, I'm, like, almost certain there's other ways to achieve yeah. the desired <laughs> outcome than an enema. And I, th- I think that sometimes when I look at these trends, I'm like, that's insane. I'm like... I'm sure there's a different way to achieve this outcome. Mm-hmm. Like, can we go to bed a bit earlier? Right. <laughs> can we eat protein at lunch? Like, yeah. what is this thing doing that I can't do yeah. in, like, very other yeah. different ways? As a doctor, <laughs> yeah, it must just be hard to know that all these people are getting marketed to all day long, every day, on their phones, and the data isn't there. But and a lot all, of it is like, marketing. Yeah, but I mean, you're coming in, some people are coming in so vulnerable with a, with a bad health history or like a, you know, like a, a serious disease. But all that, it's hard to, you're just getting at all those even things. Even for mental health though, like, yeah. like things that people are sold all the time, that this will make you happy. That, mm-hmm. Like that's what marketing is. Like the, if you buy this, you will have the happy family. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if you buy, you'll be flowing in a convertible with your mm-hmm. love. Like it is, it is, yeah, I mean. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, like I've been in marketing for the last 12 years and I know the stuff that we can find out about consumers is absolutely insane. We can find out what time of day you feel low. We can find out if you're grieving and how we can target that because people that are grieving will spend money. It's just wild. Like there's, mm-hmm. it's just wild. I don't want to end on like such a yeah. negative topic, but <laughs> can you give us one free really tangible thing that people can do for their health that's just an accessible thing for for people i wrote down some options and i'm like can i just do one you give (laughs) us your options girl i already gave you one protein yes protein boiled eggs (laughs) (laughs) that's one um You go over if you have a couple. Yeah, I do too. On, yeah, I do too. Come on. Okay, the first one's a tangible tip. It's like a tangible thing you can do. Please take a break at work, and you can either you can do anything with that break. But I would like you to try and have it be undistracted. Mm. No scrolling, just like time alone. Preferably, set a timer on your phone for three to five minutes, and look up the psychological sigh on YouTube, and do that for three to five minutes. It's been shown to help improve, like increase parasympathetic activity and actually calm your nervous system down. I would love for everyone to have those like off switch moments in the run of like very busy days. And it's a free YouTube video. Okay. We'll link it in the show notes. Yes. And just set a timer on your phone. So that's, that's one thing, you know, you could go outside for a walk if you want to, um, or just have an undistracted lunch. Like if you do take a lunch break, try not to eat it at your desk reviewing Blubberk or answering emails, which is sometimes my day. Um, but try to just like eat your lunch and eat mm-hmm. your food and breathe and close your eyes uh, and just undistracted. Just like allow space for your nervous system halfway through the day if you have a, a really busy, really busy life. Um, and then the other one is because this is something I'm seeing a lot in practice. I'm seeing it a lot in people's lives. Um, is actually just to do a time tracker. So when you're trying to change your health habits, I want you to just get aware of like how you actually do spend your time and like finding space for the good stuff. Mm. Um, And another thing would be if you're really, really overwhelmed because you've got a lot of stuff to do, make a list of all the things only you can do. So an example would be breastfeeding mom, only you you can breastfeed, but you might be able to like pump and and pass off a feed in a bottle. So Mm -hmm. it's like, what are the things that you literally only you can do? What are the things someone else could do 
I know that maybe you would prefer to do those things, but like, what are some things other people could do? I, well, I can feel that stare. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what are the things no one has to do? Yeah. And just like mm. sit with the list, try to delegate, practice the idea of like, if I just didn't have to do all of those things, what does that leave space for, for me to do for myself? Because you deserve to do things for yourself. And I promise it'll make your days feel better. Yes. Oh, I love that. I agree with everything. We talk the same talk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it has been so, so special having you here. Thank you so so much much for coming and sharing your wisdom and your heart. This has been fun. I don't want to leave. This has been so fun. (laughs) Just thank you. It's been wonderful. Yeah, we can turn it off and keep hanging. Yeah, we'll keep hanging. We'll keep hanging. (laughs) Yes, and everyone, thank you for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. Follow us on Instagram and let us know what you thought of the episode. And if you could please just take a minute out of your day to leave a rating and review, it helps us a ton. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you next time.